Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bravo Outsider Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Midwinter, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dylan Ferguson. Dylan, how's it going? Well, just, you know, trying to take it one day at a time. It's, um, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and uh, and lie to you and say that everything's fine. It's been a hard time. Uh, you know, we're all trying to do our best we can. With um, Sorry, just pouring myself a bit of rosé here. Oh, my God. Um, we, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to wrap your head around the fact that you just kind of have to get up in the morning and just like any other day, you know, have breakfast, go to work, do a reality TV podcast, knowing that there's still going to be that big but also adorably small hole in our lives <laughs> left by Rosé. So, I mean, I'm sure that um, that we're all struggling with the news about Rosé's passing. And um, I, I see I'm the only one drinking Rosé, I think. But that's fine because we all grieve in our own ways. Absolutely. And I've decided to take a day of reflection and remembrance. Hashtag Rosé all day. And... <laughs> <laughs> that's how I've decided to move forward. So yeah, doing the best I can. Good to see you again, Craig. Yeah. Well, joining us for this, uh, this horse wake is our outsider this week, John Wilson. I would rather live in shit than let anyone see me work in a shovel. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Excellent. That is uh, that's an excellent tagline. I'm pretty sure that is not a uh, a canon housewife tagline. That's a uh, uh, John nope. Wilson original. Yeah, it's a uh, it's Ooh, kind of a, you stumped Craig. It's kind of a ripoff of uh, actually a quote from The Wire. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. you didn't stump him. No, <laughs> a little excited there for a second. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, for anyone that's just joining this podcast for the first time, uh, what we do here is we bring on someone who doesn't follow Bravo shows or The Real Housewives, make them watch the episodes for the week, and get their takes. Um, John is our outsider this week. John, do you want to just let people know? what your past experience watching uh, reality TV is and um, what your take on the, uh, what your idea of reality TV was prior to going into this. Sure. Um, I guess I've watched, you know, more competition based reality TV, like, uh, you know, survivor and those kind of shows. Uh, I usually have been avoiding it. Otherwise, um, my wife watches a lot. So I'll like enter and leave the room while it's on. Uh, for instance, that, uh, oh, one, yeah. the one where they're all on a boat, uh, the, Oh, below the, deck, the yacht based reality TV. Yeah. So, so I've, I've definitely yeah. watched some below deck and, uh, um, you know, some big brother and things like that. But, uh, I'm familiar with that the kind of uh the drama and the and the editing styles of those uh those kind of shows which which were a, l- a little similar to to the ones I watched but I'd never really watched uh Housewives uh or 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 know anything about the uh 
the ecosystem that they're all in. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> a good word. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> I um, yeah, it's interesting. You're the first person to bring up below deck, um, which is I think right now Bravo's most popular show on on TV on on the channel. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting how there are a lot of similarities, in my opinion, from. Uh, below deck to something like housewives or or vanderpump rules but again it is very distinct because um it bears similarities to competition reality shows in that um each season the cast is largely different there's a few like key players that are the same from season to season but for the most part you bring on a brand new cast um, who d- don't have the shared like backstory and shared like history and uh, drama, and it's kind of a fresh slate each um, each season. So uh, it's a big difference from something like Real Housewives of New Jersey, where you've got these deep rooted histories that are driving the um, driving the conflict and and the the narrative. Um, did you find at all that it was difficult to jump into either of these shows without context? Um, it wasn't like like difficult. Um, like it was, I I hit the button, you know, and it played, and there I was watching it. Um, <laughs> you know, it was that that part was easy, uh, and I and I kind of like you know they do a lot of um, cutting back to like trying to remind you of the backstory where I'm like, Oh, something happened between them five years ago. Mm-hmm. It's in black and white. Wow. This is really old. Must've been really old. You know, yeah. like they do that kind of like, uh, <laughs> kind old timey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's all it's grainy. Yeah. Footage. Just turn the color balance down. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I don't know what the characters like without that, you know, unless they told me the context, uh, I, it's just like, you know, 10 women, uh, jabbering, and I'm trying to like find out who who made out with who or like what you know someone's a rat and so forth. Um, yeah. uh, <laughs> so uh, it was like bleep that out, Craig. That's a very serious <laughs> slur. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So no, it, it was like I didn't know what was going on, but right away, at least uh, the the New Housewives of New Jersey, I'm like bachelorette party in Dublin. Let's go. You know, they they set me up, and I was like, okay, this yeah. is gonna be fun. We're drinking. We're chugging Guinness. Like, all right. Yeah. yeah. So that that's that part of it. I got. I don't know who the people are. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get started with the the Real Housewives of New Jersey. Um, I thought this was a, like a, a really fun episode. I um, uh, I thought that we got to see um, we got to see like some really good bonding at the start, and then things immediately kind of deteriorate the next morning. Uh, what what highlights did you have from watching this? Um, I guess uh, it felt like a lot of the episode revolved around someone being called a rat was like the worst thing in the world as uh, Dylan kind of <laughs> mentioned. It was, and I just, that was funny that, uh, and, and I don't know, it seemed like a theme, at least in the, the other, what's fun is that. Yeah. It, it was like a theme with the other episode where I, someone I wanna... called someone a, a specific word and, uh, and then they just focused on that for a super long time. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. They, they love to define what things you're allowed or not allowed more like to do or say in terms of like it's an Italian thing. So I yeah. think it'd be really fun <laughs> to like just compile a list of the definition of an Italian according, according to the Real Housewives of New Jersey and yeah. all their <laughs> rules that they make up on the spot in order to page somebody doing something as completely beyond the bail. Yeah, fun. when when the wind blows from the east, it's a big deal for Italian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying there's nothing to that. I mean, I get it. They've got like these yeah. long, deep seated traditions, <laughs> but I love the way that they'll just hang hang on to that as any excuse for blowing their top. Because yeah. you're not allowed to do that because we're Italian. All right, I'll take your word for it. I guess sure. <laughs> I like the the beer chug. So which the of the household? At the beginning, you know, just like they're they're having a drinking competition to start the episode. Like that was, like you said, it was fun. Yeah, uh, and, uh, and I was like, start. I was kind of impressed uh, a little bit because Guinness, like chugging Guinness, it's like uh, it's like eating a, a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> not many housewife shows have like multiple cast members who are good at chugging beer, or who you would assume would be good at chug- chugging beer, mm-hmm. which is yeah. another one of the uh, the benefits of the Jersey Crew. Yeah, I I loved during that drinking contest that we got a. Um, just a shot of Teresa like clapping on the sideline while everyone is like <laughs> chugging the beer, In like she's dress. a grandma. Yeah, watching <laughs> watching mini soccer. Just <laughs> <laughs> good job, you did it really hard. <laughs> I also uh, liked the uh, the random shots of like you know a guy in the kitchen watching like in disgust. You know, like the the patron <laughs> out of focus, kind of like ugh, like giving it just ugh, like yeah. look to kind of show like <laughs> they're they're uh, really I don't know I'm I, yeah I'm wondering like how many cameras are in the bar too like I'm always thinking about like how how is how are people also in public with them like what's going on what's the scene like outside of the but you know outside of the show like behind the scenes i don't know but I often... yeah that's that's interesting you bring that up that's kind of something that uh was brought up last week uh, when we had jared's story on and he was like don't the the cameras feel really like intrusive to these people but um again like these women this is a fairly like mature cast of housewives there's although there are two like newbies uh they're fairly mature in that they have been doing this for a long time. So um, they don't see the cameras as much as, you know, the people that are having a candlelit dinner over in the corner would see the the cameras up in, in their faces. Um, But yeah, it definitely would be uh, quite the scene if you're just out in, in Dublin, just (laughs) having a candlelit dinner. Don't really have the same, like, cultural awareness of what real housewives is and all of a sudden the real housewives you know not of beverly hills not of new york city but the real housewives of new jersey like burst in and like start going at each other it would definitely be like what what the fuck is happening yeah, I can understand why those kitchen workers would just look at them in disgust. But that's also how kitchen workers look at everybody all the time. So. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Resting kitchen worker face. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did catch a glimpse when they were walking over the bridge uh, in Dublin of their security guard who was like kind of protecting them. 
like so i know there's like a there's like escorts around them making sure that regular folk don't kind of like walk into their into their conversation or something right yeah and also they would each have kind of like a um like a handler producer um so typically like they'll be like I don't know if it's like an associate producer or what the title is for them, but they kind of serve as the housewives specific producer. And they'll, this producer will be just responsible for like one or two housewives specifically and kind of be the handler. So all of those would be on site and they're, you know, the, the purpose that they serve is to like, you know, kind of be the manager in the corner of the boxing ring, like pumping them up and like (laughs) also trying to use the, whatever, position that they're in in order to like create drama or stimulate the scene in, in some way. So they all have that. And so it would be like a very substantial production crew that is, you know, roaming around the streets with them. That sounds like a dream yeah, job. I'm just picturing like, yeah, yeah House- I'm picturing Jennifer and Margaret, like going to the separate quarters and, you know, somebody takes their mouth guards out <laughs> and they spit into a bucket, <laughs> just like breathing heavily. <laughs> it is like that. It's exactly yeah. like that. <laughs> Housewife handler for uh, that. That's just a, a solid position like job I want to apply to. Oh, yeah. I'm going to start throwing it on my resume and see if anyone asks about it. <laughs> Whenever a recruiter calls me. <laughs> you got to be careful which one you choose, though, right? You know, if you because uh, uh, if you say you're the handler for uh, um, I don't know, if you say the handler for Marisol on Miami or something, they're going to be like, well, she's she's drinking herself to death, man. Like, yeah. are, are, do you not control that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, did you have any other specific highlights from Real Housewives in Jersey, John? Uh, let me see. I, uh, I noticed that the, they were talking so loudly that like the, the sound was like peaking in that, like they are really loud. Uh, I mean, Oh yeah. Yeah. It is <laughs> like even whatever mics they got going on there, it is it is they're just hanging on there. Um also yeah, what was they're the... just backing those bikes further and further up till they're out in the street in the <laughs> yeah, <back> windows. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, so um you know, some pretty harsh words. De- uh was a disheveled drug addict, the one called the uh, mm, Yeah. But I was then, surprised to see that we actually got an like an apology from Margaret. Well, she pulled back and this, said, "Like, and it's yeah." She she like pulled back to say, "Like, uh, she's I'm sorry, I went too far with disheveled drug addict. She's just disheveled." Which yeah, she she just <laughs> pulled back the drug addict. So she just she retracted part of it. Yeah, it just it made me think of like The Simpsons when he's like, uh, you know, uh, I may be. Uh, you know, uh, ugly and stupid. But what was the third thing you said? Like a man, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she she did, she did walk it back a bit, but I think it wasn't so much that we got an apology for like those specific words that stood out to me. It was that, you know, I think the exchange went something like, uh, Margaret's like, Oh, I don't think I'm a saint, but I also don't think I'm everything you make me out to be. And then Jen says something to the extent of like, I'm not everything you make me out to be either. And Marge goes, well, I haven't made you out to be anything. And Jen just cuts her off and says, yeah, you called me a disheveled drug addict. Like this is a specific thing that you have yeah. made me out to be. And to, for Marge to Margaret to be like, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, 
I apologize. I was too harsh. Uh, it was pretty like, it was pretty surprising from someone who is seemingly hell bent on being at odds with, with Jennifer for her to, um, kind of give up and to cede um, any ground whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like really unnecessary for her to do like, um, she didn't really have any reason, I guess, other than maybe public opinion to, um, to apologize to like look somewhat self aware. Right. Um, it came across. Yeah. It was very surprising to me. What, what was the drugs she was addicted to or was she not addicted to drugs? Uh, well, she was not like a, like a full blown addict or anything, but she likes to like smoke a joint after the kids go to bed. Mm. Yeah, I think it was just in reference to, to weed, weed smoke. Like that's yeah. Like she just she just likes to smoke joint once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> so she she likes that coffee. She yeah. Likes coffee. <laughs> she, she, she really yeah. likes coffee. <laughs> well, you know just, that like, can get you in trouble. They're just pounding like wine and everything every single day, but she smoked a joint. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm sure all these women are on like some pills and like Ozempic and stuff. And it's like, you smoke <laughs> weed? Wow. You're using yeah, drugs. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, was... I wonder if that's also like a generational thing because there is a bit of like an age gap between uh, Jen and Margaret. And, yeah. um, you know, I feel like if you are maybe closer to Margaret's age where, um, there's probably there's probably been like a bigger stigma around marijuana in your yeah. lifetime that it seems like a bit more of like a cutting jab or something, you know, kind of shocking. Whereas now that like marijuana is, you know, decriminalized in a lot of states, I don't know what the, the number is, but like it's not really shocking to anyone to hear that someone, you know, uses marijuana occasionally. Yeah, no, I think like for for somebody of Margaret's age, it's like if you like have kids and you smoke weed, it's like wow, your life's a mess. But for like you know somebody a bit younger, it's like you don't smoke weed and you have kids. Yeah. Like how do you unwind? <laughs> <after? laughs> um, uh, so John, one of the like the standing conflicts within Real Housewives of New Jersey is this battle between. Uh, Teresa and Melissa. And I think we saw this kind of starting to really boil in this episode. I'm wondering what your, what you gathered about that conflict and, you know, what side of that conflict you landed on, given the information that you were exposed to this, this week. Sure. Um, yeah, I was going to mention that was the other, uh, memorable part was their arguing on the bus about, uh, Teresa making a comment about uh, what was the other woman's name? Her her daughter, um, not Melissa. Out. Yeah, Melissa. Yeah. So like their their daughters, she didn't go to her whatever event, and uh, and then I don't know. So so all I gathered from that was there was like some super defensive thing because she just said like don't say my daughter's name. You know, like Melissa was just like taken aback that she mentioned her daughter. And, uh, so uh, they, they did do like the grainy, you know, black and white, some other comment occurred in the past, but I, you know, I didn't really gather the context of their 
argument, except for that, like her daughter was off limits for some reason. And it seemed like I felt like Teresa was not, you know, going too far or be, or saying something out of line, but this, because I don't know, like the context of that, but I just was like, what? she was just mentioning, you know, like, what do you care if your daughters are friends or not? And I don't know. It just seemed like, uh, just like suddenly Melissa was like pissed and wanted everyone to like know that, but I don't know. I don't know why. Yeah. I mean <laughs> this to me, this like scene in the sprinter van, I guess it was, um, uh, Rachel Fuda that brought this up and it really felt like, um, an alley-oop to Melissa. Like she was putting the ball out there, like just hoping that Teresa is going to say something about Antonia just so that Melissa right. could have something to be upset about. Mm. And obviously it, you know, it paid off, but I think that Melissa was just like really grasping at something. And there's people that are putting like montages of clips of Melissa online where, you know, she is speaking like poorly about her nieces. So she's really not like holding any higher ground here. Um, I, one of the things that I really like about New Jersey in terms of like watching it and engaging with it is like, I can't think of any other example of a piece of media that causes fans to really be brought into family drama to the extent that Real Housewives of New Jersey is. Like, mm. I feel like you can't help but, you know, watch this. And if you're participating in the fan base, but pick a side of either Teresa or Melissa and be really entrenched in the the drama. And, you know, um, it, it feels like, um, it feels like you're actually actively participating in family drama and right. every single thing that you say or do what within that like conversation you are um you're furthering that that argument in in some way there's always going to be someone on the opposite side that's going to you know pick apart things and i i think that's really i don't know it's it's obviously like a kind of a really toxic thing but um it's something that i really I appreciate the toxicity, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a mafia start, right? Or mafia yeah. wars, anyways. <laughs> but no, no, I know what you're saying. That's a good point. It's like you you get drawn into not just siding with an individual or another, but their whole clan. <laughs> yeah. You know, they have these whole family units <laughs> that uh, that you become invested in. Craig, it's very just, intense. And, you, you just yeah. like and in the like, case of the, like, Melissa's... You just drink in the radioactive... You know, like just it burns when it goes down. You're like drinking. Oh yeah, Trino. put it put it into my vein. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. In terms of like Melissa's fans and supporters, I'm not entirely convinced that there's not a significant portion of them that are like um, bots or like a, a bot farm because they're like very active online somehow mm. and. Melissa somehow seems to have more Instagram followers than Teresa, like substantially, um, which doesn't make sense because I think like Teresa, if you're thinking about iconic housewives across any franchise, you're thinking Teresa Judice before you're thinking Melissa Gorka, like Teresa Judice is going to be one of the, you know, the top 
three housewife names that you're thinking of. Melissa Gorga is she's had her own you know, spinoff at one point, right? Yeah, she went to jail. She was yeah. like, <laughs> and that was like that was news outside of the Bravo sphere. Like, you know, that was a high profile thing relative to a lot of the other shit that housewives argue about. So um, it just seems really strange that Melissa would have a larger online following and more like active. I, we need uh, a congressional investigation. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, we do we get to the bottom of this <laughs> and no witness tampering. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dylan, what, what highlights did you have from this episode? Um, I think my favorite part was when uh, Dolores says, what I love about Dublin is how untouched it is as they pull up to a tapas <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> um, but my second favorite part was, I think, right before that, when they're uh, all in the van and before they once again exploded into the recriminations and anger. Um, they, they had a really interesting conversation where they're comparing stories about um, having uh, been cheated on, or in some cases have cheated yeah. on, a, you know, a, a husband or a partner, and how they made the decision of whether to break it off with that partner or to try to continue uh, either as a couple or as friends in some capacity, and uh, the way that they were comparing notes about uh, about those choices they made and, and weighing the value of what you've invested in another person over, you know, so much of your life and, and how much that means to you versus the possible, uh, you know, recurring negatives in the future and, and how, uh, how emotional those, those decisions are. I thought that was a, a very good moment because it, it was very emotional and what, and it was a rare moment of them, like really, uh, being a group that's, comparing notes and you know being there for each other to to an extent and it's it's and it's a mature moment too like it and yeah it's the kind of thing that you don't really see in scripted media you know for yeah. all the you know countless um uh, movies there are about people starting relationships or deciding to get married or whatever that it's very rare to see those kind of uh storylines addressed about when the moment happens that uh, a partner betrays the trust and then you have to just decide whether that, that uh, it's best to, to continue to, to move forward or not. And, and it's mature in the sense that like, you know, we'll get to Vanderpump rules in a second, but you you see the difference between like slightly older characters and slightly younger characters yeah. uh, in, in terms of it's very attractive when you're younger to like draw lines in the sand and just be like, you know, I've been betrayed I have to cut you out of my life forever. That's me standing on my principles, doing what I have to do for me. And then there's the more mature version where you're like, well, I'm thinking about actually my life and my future and my happiness and how much of my uh, self is invested in another person. And these decisions are actually a lot more complex than that. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was actually a really interesting conversation and actually, and very emotional and, and very uh, effective. So I like I like that scene a lot. I thought that was really good. Yeah, I had the, that marked down too in my notes as something that really stood out to me. Uh, it was a a really like candid moment, and I love when we get things like this, like very introspective, candid discussions amongst housewives that you know come from a very like human place and they kind of slip into the, the episode. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's one of the qualities of real housewives that again, like you say, you don't see that in scripted uh, television without it being 
without it being like really ham-fisted in there by the yeah. by uh the writers and feeling very forced and i thought that it was interesting how that moment evolved because it seemed to start with margaret saying hey Teresa, you should have like danced with that irish guy at the bar which to me felt like it was a play for her like it was a strategic play for her to try to draw out this information to come out of uh jen's mouth like she i think that she's constantly trying to get jen to expose this rumor about melissa this piece of information she wants it to come out of you know jen's mouth so that she ends up being the bad guy and i think she right. it started as margaret really baiting her in a sort of strategic social positioning way that you see throughout housewife shows that's that's like the game of it and it, it just evolved into like a really like human moment. Mm -hmm. And they were talking, like you said, about infidelity and how like navigating infidelity, um, not in terms of black and white, which is something that you see in most narrative fictional mm -hmm. television, but kind of the, the gray scale in between and, and how you manage that, which is probably a lot closer to, you know, the truth that people live especially as they you know they mature so yeah this yeah. this was this was a really amazing moment that i i really appreciate and i thought okay mm -hmm. this is this is some this is something that housewife give housewives gives that you don't see everywhere you For this sure. is very like um illustrative of the um the the beauty that you see in this form of art Totally. And because it's also something that's very relatable, even though it's not as uh, represented enough in scripted fiction, because it, like, you know, being cheated on or cheating on people or having that happen is something that's almost universal experience. You know, there's such a, uh, an impulse that people have. And we, we definitely see that in Vanderpump, you know, we'll get to that it, to treat every instance of it as if it were like some cataclysm. Uh, that's uh, like almost like something that you couldn't even imagine happening. And that's understandable on an emotional level. It, it understands yeah. it's, it's reasonable that it feels that way emotionally, but the mature perspective is like, this is just something that everybody goes through <laughs> and, yeah. and to, to have that kind of like, um, that uh, emotional maturity to to discuss it in a way that you rarely see it dis discussed. Uh, a depiction of that I thought was was really interesting and a nice break from the rest of the episode, which was just you know endless shouting over one another uh, and getting drunk a bit at the start. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, but I am on the whole looking forward to them going back to New Jersey because I kind I want I want the dudes back. Yeah, <laughs> I want the back home. I was wondering uh, where the dudes trip, were, but it's like, yeah, <laughs> they're they're back in Jersey. I assumed uh, there was dudes, but I, I, maybe I was like, maybe they maybe the husbands aren't in the show. Like, I didn't wasn't sure about that. Well, in most shows, they take a back seat, but in New Jersey, they they take a front seat, and oh. um, we're just not seeing them, them in this episode because they're on a, a cast trip. Yeah. Um, but there's one one other thing that I want to go back to about that conversation about infidelity that we saw. And what I thought was interesting is that we also saw kind of a uh, a switch between, you know, housewife's gameplay and kind of human engagement, specifically in Margaret. Because when she was talking about her experience as being, you know, the cheater and navigating that, she was very honest. And then when she was referring to the incident of infidelity between 
uh, uh, Jen and Bill, she like, she seeded that, you know, you guys made it through this because, you know, you love each other and you chose to go down that path to mm-hmm. go through it and you like truly love each other. And, you know, that, that infidelity, like bringing up that infidelity is, at the root of the conflict between Jen and Margaret, at least mm-hmm. the initial initially. Yeah. Um, and so for her to, you know, be really human and be like, you guys love each other. I see that, you know, there's actual love within your relationship. Um, I thought that that was, it was a really nice to see her kind of, flip out of game mode and to, you know, connect on a, on a human level. Yeah. Flip out of game mode, I think is the, 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 the key phrase there that that's because it shows the difference between having a conversation that has like actual engagement with the personal histories and emotions and all these disputes where it's all about really pretending to have like much bigger emotional stakes than you actually do have in order to do gamesmanship in order to get people on your side and all that stuff, which is why at a certain point, uh, these discussions become just like Talmudic. It's just like, it's, it's almost pure esoterica, like just trying to figure out what information it's unacceptable to share, uh, when it's uh, welcome to have information shared, when uh, you're allowed to be angry that somebody shared what you said, and when you're not allowed to be angry when somebody shared what you said, there's just like, you can't trace those rules. You can't map this out at this point yeah. because it's just become pure gamesmanship and the and just, um, yeah, the, the contrast between that and having an actual conversation that like really touches on what they actually feel about their lives uh, in the middle of it, you see a, a switch flipping. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dylan, what other, what other highlights did you have from this episode? Um, uh, yeah, not really much anything else other than that, though. I'm kind of surprised we didn't mention Boogie Wolf yet. Yeah, um, that was, so, so uh, I guess that has to be, I mean, rat, up. <laughs> they, they mentioned rat and she was trying to, I don't know, Boogie Wolf. Then they had to go for a definition. Like it was a real word. Um, is that is that the generation? Yeah. Gap? Okay. So, is this a word that you is this a word you've heard before? Because like when Absolutely. she said it, when she said it, I was like, okay, this sounds like something that I might have heard before, but I have no idea what she's talking about. Uh, so here's what I think. I, th- I think this is kind of like the coffee thing. It's it's Jen like uh, overplaying her hand and and kind of <laughs> embarrassing herself by by, uh, by being too inorganic with her attempted comeback. Uh, and I think that what she did is I think Jen Fessler said like she like went in the dictionary and looked for a word. I think that's basically <laughs> what she did. I think she like went online <laughs> and tried to find like an obscure insult. And I think she didn't realize that she was looking at Urban Dictionary and not like an actual dictionary <laughs> because I was trying to find definitions of this word. And there's a few and they're all on Urban Dictionary. There's, there's, this, this, this isn't something you're going to find in Merriam-Webster. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a word in the sense that it seems to be something that people use. It's not in the OED, but it seems to be yeah. something people use. It's a word. Um, but it's, it, it seems to be like club slang or something. So... I mean, I guess 
check for getting a sort of word. It's it's maybe not as much of a word as conversating. That's definitely a word, by the way. Just going to throw that out there because it's come up in like three consecutive episodes, I think. Conversating is a word. Uh, I think Booga Wolf could take off, uh, you know, uh, based on the episode, though. Like, it's definitely more popular word now. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm sure that's like trending on Google search uh, search rankings now. Oh, yeah. I, I think I saw uh, a, a clip of, of Jen on social media having made a shirt that says Booga Wolf on it now. So he's going to leave it. <laughs> you can get a wardrobe that's got like endorsed and then yeah. Booga Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you mentioned that this is kind of an example of Jen overplaying her hand a little bit here. And it's really interesting that she does have kind of a history of doing this in arguments, but she is somehow like careful enough with stuff that really matters where she doesn't do this. Like she's kind of like a clumsy housewife strategically. Like she just Mm -hmm. kind of fumbles around, but she knows just enough of what to protect that. um, I think that makes her, like an especially frustrating adversary for someone like Margaret. Mm. Um, uh, so yeah, I think that was really interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, another thing that we saw here was um, when Margaret gets involved in the conflict with Danielle, she tries to hold over Danielle's head, this like favor that she did. And we get a clip of it where Margaret just like, without being asked to has put bougie kids through like a, right. a logo generator software <laughs> and been like, Hey, I redesigned your logo here. And Danielle's like, Oh, that's so nice. And Margaret's trying to like use this as this like big favor that she did. And, <laughs> and like, I've always been kind to you. I put your bougie kids through a logo generator. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty funny. <laughs> Which by the way, I did not realize until this episode that they're spelling bougie B O U J I E. Yeah. I feel like I've usually <laughs> seen that with a G. With a G. Yeah. I mean, kids I'm, has a Z at the end. That's fair play. But I feel, I feel like I'm more used to seeing bougie spelled with a G than a J. Well, <laughs> it's an Italian thing. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> more like bougie um, wolf. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. No, no. That's the, that's the episode title now. <laughs> bougie wolf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, so if you don't have any other highlights, let's move on to Vanderpump Rules. Um, John, what was your first impression of all the cast members of Vanderpump Rules? Vanderpump Rules, uh, you know, they're all, they're younger. And I'll I'll let you know, like, I was confused by the title of the show um, because it wasn't, like, Wives, (laughs) you know, or something. But I was told beforehand that it's a show, one of the one of the housewives has a restaurant. It's like a, a show about this restaurant. And um, I quickly was wondering, like, when does the restaurant come into the show? Because uh, I was kind of like waiting for it to be like, uh, you know, one of those one of those restaurant reality shows that I've you know seen a couple times. But it, it was uh, yeah. it was young people um, who you know, their relationships, they're making out with each other. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, it gave me a little bit of, you know, below deck vibes as far as like, um, just that kind of drama. Um, 
I don't know. I didn't, uh, I didn't find the like characters as interesting as the housewives. Like they weren't as oh, yeah. like, like, um, strong, I guess, like, as far as like their personalities weren't like, um, I don't know. It, it just in comparison to watching them uh, so close together. Um, uh, but, uh, and you know, I don't know in, in general is, it's okay. Um, I'm trying to think like what it seemed like there was a lot of acting in the show, uh, at least in the scene specifically where the three guys there's like Tom and the other guy, they have like the manager tell them that he fired everyone. And, uh, and it just seemed oh, like, yeah. like it was like the stakes of that, you know, were, uh, seemed like they should be high, but no one actually seemed to care. They were just like kind of saying what they had to say. Um, so that, that, but then other, other scenes in the show did seem like they were real interactions. You know, there was like, uh, I don't know. I, fe- I just felt like the, maybe it's the people in the show are not as like, uh, they don't have as much personality. Uh, I don't know. I kind of just thought that Tom guy was yeah. like, whatever, like he's just bland. Uh, except for when he made the comment that he like could not go outside with chipped nails, which I thought was a funny uh, quirk oh, of his. Yeah. They had to <laughs> had to get his nails done or something. But uh, yeah, I don't know. There was that. That was kind of my first impression. Where uh, I like the housewives. Uh, like they were they were more they were more real. That's why. It's yeah. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. I think that that's interesting that you bring that up. We've had actually a lot of people uh, voice the opposite opinion that they were more like engaged in uh, Vanderbilt rules versus the real housewives. But I think in this specific episode, I can kind of see where you're coming from because there was, like you said, a lot of content that was a bit more restaurant storyline heavy uh, surrounding you know, trying to get Schwartz and Sandy's up and running, which is feels just really constructed and no one really cares about. So it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of boring. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I could, I could see how you could get that read from, from this episode. Um, were there any specific characters on here that stood out to you as, you know, particularly interesting or engaging or, I guess by contrast, anyone that stood out as particularly um, bland and boring. Um, I mean, the the episode really revolved a lot around. Uh, I think it was Raquel, um, and she was yeah. she had she had made out with a couple of the wrong people, uh, and I always I just find it yeah, funny. Tom that, Schwartz, yeah, Tom Schwartz, and that that other woman's son. Um, uh, oh yeah, who was married, yeah. Oliver, and it kind of that kind of drove the episode. So like Raquel was interesting, um, you know, she's like newly single, I guess. So that's why she's making out with everybody. Mm. And I like how it's like high school where people make out, you know, like that's 
that's the only detail you get. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not on screen. Like I don't, yeah, I didn't see, making out. Yeah, I don't see them like in in below deck, for instance. You see people like get into bed together and like, or you see them making out in a hot tub. But this this was all kind of like just talking about they made out and you kind of like wondering like what does that mean like 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 he fingered her or like uh they you know what was <laughs> <laughs> like we actually didn't see it in the, in the preceding episode but it oh. was just like an awkward kiss or two it was like yeah. a few awkward kisses and yeah okay presumably okay. no more than that it was very awkward. <laughs> well, the, their interaction with the, that was the, the big like buildup where like, oh, now they're going to talk when uh, Tom Schwartz goes to the restaurant and she's working there. And they have there was like the most awkward, like he went to try to shake her hand or something. And then they were like trying to make her sit with them. <laughs> oh, and yeah. that was like that was kind of weird. Like it really weirded me boss, out. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it, it was. Just, it was it, yeah. The, the vibes are really weird. The vibes were weird. That, That's why that, I like that moment. Because that was after the restaurant scene where I was like, this seems like too scripted. And then that was like, no, that was real because Tom Schwartz is awkward. And the other Tom is like just trying to get them to to be like together and, and like drive the drama, I guess, I guess that was his, uh, his play there. So, um, yeah, those yeah. Between them. yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm gathering from, uh, from your take that you haven't, uh, you haven't heard of the, the scandal, the scandal, uh, Something, uh, but yeah, that, that's that's a big, a big my, no. My, my <laughs> wife that was the same reaction to Jennifer saying Boogie Wolf, right? Now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my wife told me there was something about Tom and Raquel, uh, that was on Twitter or something. I don't know if that's what you're referring to, but uh, yeah, so okay, yeah. so Tom Sandoval, the one who got his like nails yeah. painted white so he didn't like put the bar menu in or whatever, yeah. um. Him, so he is like has been dating Ariana for nine years, and it came out off camera after mm-hmm. they had basically wrapped for the season that he had been sleeping with Raquel for many months, like right, yeah, eight or nine months. Um, yeah, so, um, what we are starting to see in this episode is all the clues kind of dropping about this because the hookup apparently started uh, shortly before the trip to Mexico, which, um, which is what we saw in the past, like two or three, three episodes. Um, So now they're kind of in a full blown affair at this point. And people are like constantly looking for Easter eggs of that. And I think that this scene that you're referring to where Sandoval asks Raquel to come and like sit in between him and Tom Schwartz. The, the weird, awkward, like body language that you're seeing behind it, I think is one of the first big, like stand standout clues that we're getting this season that there's, you know, there's something there. And that was, that was Mm -hmm. right when Marianne walked in the room and said, and told me about that. And I was like, no, it's the other Tom. Like, they made oh, out yeah. in Mexico. I was trying to explain what was happening. To <laughs> she was trying to tell me what was happening, the, you know, the scandal. And I was like, eh, you're not, you don't know what's going on. Like, yeah, 
No, that 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 makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense yeah. that there was yeah. like like there's a story in the show that they're telling. Classic but, rookie mistake getting your toms crossed. Yeah, well, exactly. It took me a while <laughs> yeah. to realize they were both Tom because they kept calling the one sh- guy Schwartz too. Uh, but mm. um, yeah, but I I do definitely not like Tom. You know, like I don't like him. I don't know. It bothers me. The, Sandoval. Uh, Sandoval. Sandoval. Sandoval, yeah. Yeah. Mustache. Just, yeah. Like, okay. Just to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. And so how is his uh, relationship? What other highlights did I, I I guess I'm wondering, is he like like Vanderpump is the housewife who has the restaurant? How is he connected? Is he just work there? Yeah, well he he started out as a bartender. Like okay. he's season one cast on Vanderpump rules. And so initially the concept, yeah, it was to follow the staff of this restaurant. But mm-hmm. instead of, um, you know, staying set at this restaurant and focus on whoever the current staff is, um, it's just continued to follow this same cast from season one. Okay. So, you know, how on Below Deck, you know, it's it's going to follow the captain and whatever whatever the crew is that, that season. Um, Vanderpump Rules has him. It's as though they took the crew of the first, you know, ship, uh, ship, sir, uh, and, uh, and continued to follow them after they had stopped being yachties, basically. Um, and they pretended to be yachties for a long time, and now they've just dropped that whole facade. And, you know, Tom Sandoval and Tom Schwartz have a bar with Lisa Vanderpump and they're trying to open up another one without Lisa Vanderpump and that's not going well. Um, I I thought the only thing that was interesting about this, you know, restaurant storyline that we got this episode was like, it kind of clicked for me that this, what was different about this restaurant storyline edit was I feel like they're trying to give Lisa Vanderpump a like, a savvy businesswoman edit by showing, you know, these two basically fail with, without her. And, mm. um, you know, she is this, um, yeah, savvy businesswoman that, um, can do no wrong. Yeah. Um, did you have any other highlights from Vanderbilt rules, John? Um, I noticed, um, there was a scene. I like that, uh, actually that everyone has dogs, and cats and there's a lot of dog and cat shots um that was nice uh, <laughs> was there something that they have a dog grooming business too or was that just like a yeah um, lisa vanderbump does yeah, yeah does. that's that's where katie's new boyfriend uh gets gets his yeah. hair done <laughs> a great line by sheeta there yeah he did absolutely yeah like oh that's... woman wearing gloves just hose them off and right them. yeah so yeah that guy she, she brings in that guy satchel uh, which is Satchel. just yeah. amazing <laughs> but it was the the fact that they dropped that he was named after satchel page and then did not like just assume all the viewers would know satchel page uh like he's a baseball player <laughs> from like you know so like a hundred years ago or whatever and uh yeah <laughs> and, and they didn't even like say like the baseball player or anything they it was like these fans of this show aren't going to know satchel pages like but uh <laughs> he he did seem like uh he was just like a, a curtain uh 
on the, the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he he looked like a like a douchier version of Josh Groban. But yeah, then like I think like Sheena just nailed the the take on his hair. Yeah, I, I yeah. actually loved the moment where they where they introduced Satchel. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I I laughed my ass off. I just thought it was really funny. Oh, um, yeah. Katie's like building him up like. You know, if Tom wants to play these games, well, I'm going to bring my man in, and let me tell you, he's a real man. We yeah, fucked she a was lot. Gi- <laughs> yeah, she was giving him this intro like he was the Dawn that we saw yeah. earlier with Lava. Then she'd just throw him out now, all ruined. I, my apartment, I just I slosh through it. I'm wading through my apartment. It's like Hurricane Katrina in there. It's like, <laughs> like, like, like Hurricane Katie's vagina because I'm getting. Pat- it all the time yeah. i was fucking real man and she trots about it and it's just like this slouchy kid with a fucking cocker spaniel head it looks like she found him like smoking a roach behind the bleachers at a high school yeah. he's, he's practically like taking off a backpack and shoving it under the table like and she's like yeah here's the guy i fuck all the time i'm not too tired yeah. from boning me all day are you yeah that's right <laughs> he's sitting there like yeah katie i think i have a nosebleed <laughs> <laughs> Great <moment. Loved> it. <laughs> yeah his, his dick still works right she made that comment yeah a, yeah, that, that was a dig at her, uh, her, her uh, Tom Schwartz, her, her ex-husband. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> she, there was a line at one point of one episode where she said his dick doesn't work or something. <laughs> yeah, it's come up a few times that his dick doesn't doesn't work. That's doesn't, yeah. why, his dick doesn't work. Wow. Um, a, consistent, uh, a, a consistent story point. You don't need a dick to make out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one, one other thing that I, I noticed... Uh, when I was thinking about the dogs, I was thinking about just like a scene where uh, the women were around a table and I can't remember the name. There was like the one who has a boyfriend who's like uh, super jacked. Um, and the one woman was like making a sandwich as she was talking. Um, she was just like just right. out of the frame. Lala, right. Yeah. Maybe Lala. They were like at a counter, you know, like around a, a whatever kitchen Island and she was making yeah. a sandwich and and i just was like f- kind of focused on like what is she doing with this knife here like she's just there she's she's spreading you know she was like doing an action and a cut like one line and then the next line she just had this full sandwich that was on the counter like she just like pulled out of a, a subway <laughs> package and then it was like the end of the scene you know? It was just like the way the edit worked. It was like she was like spreading butter or something. And then just suddenly she had this like perfectly cut and made sandwich sitting there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, Dylan, what were your highlights from uh, Vanderbilt Rules? Uh, Aside from Satchel, um, (laughs) you know what? I was surprised uh, how interested I was actually in Tom Sandoval in this episode. I have to say, um, Sandoval and Ariana have kind of been bit players this season, right? We haven't seen a ton of them. They've mostly had just like B plots. They haven't really been in the spotlight at all this season. Um, And um, now we see a lot more of of Sandoval this episode. And I just thought it was interesting just how fucking stressed out the guy looks. Like he's just like ready to snap at everybody all the time. Uh, And um, I thought... uh, 
uh, that was pretty interesting. Like you feel like obviously they're playing into the show, like it's restaurant stuff and the restaurant stuff maybe is part of it too. Like, uh, I'm sure it is. Like he says at what point he's like got his mom's retirement savings in it or something. Right. Like if that's true, like, damn, man, that's potentially rough, especially what's going on now. Like, uh, so, uh, so, but I'm sure part of the stress too, is that he's, starting an extramarital affair and probably he's starting to realize <laughs> that it's that the people are going to find out it's in his friend group. Like it's not going to be under wraps forever. Um, so I thought it was interesting just seeing him as like uh, being completely uh, uh, under a ton of pressure and just like unable to, to control himself a lot. But that specific awkward scene with Raquel and Tom and Lisa, which I really liked, uh, I did find it interesting the way he kind of gives that information to Raquel that uh, Katie called her a whore and is like delighted yeah. to do it because it makes yeah. Katie look like shit. And he's, he's delighted to make Katie look like, sh- looks like shit. And then when he realizes he'd said something that was like really wounding to Raquel, he kind of seems to be like about to cry or possibly crying after. And nobody is going to like me saying that, but it almost makes me like Sandoval a little bit. That, I mean, not a, no excuse for what he's, he's done. He's a shithead. Sandoval's a shithead. I'm not saying he's not a shithead, but the, <laughs> that's the right reaction. That's everybody's reaction is going to be that. But, um, uh, he, and he's not, he's never been one of my favorite people even before he, you know, did, uh, treated Ariana very poorly, obviously. But one of the benefits of uh, a good reality TV show like Vanderpump's Rules is that you can't lose sight of the fact that everybody's a human and everybody's got their own emotional reality, their emotional stakes in the game. Everybody's got their own skin in the game and uh, they can make terrible choices and he has made uh, terrible choices. Uh, But he has his own emotional reality too. Uh, and, uh, And this episode, more than any until now, makes it harder to lose sight of the fact that, you know, he's a human like everybody else. And that just adds more complexity to it. Cause again, you want these to be like black and white and the, a lot of the fans and I'm sure a lot of the people involved in making the show would love there to be clear cut villains, like in a scripted show. Uh, but we see enough of, of them uh, in unscripted moments that we can't deny everybody's humanity. They're all human beings. Except for James Kennedy, he has no soul. <laughs> hey, that's completely <laughs> unnecessary. <laughs> but uh, as much as you know, Sandoval is is definitely uh, the villain. Is going to continue to be the villain. Have, seeing more of him deepens the story. It adds it adds more complexity. I, I thought he it. was like a main character. You know, like the way that episode was, and not seeing the show before, I thought he was like the guy on the show, and. Uh, but also, he definitely, he definitely is. It's he, just this season, he has not been so much. Okay, and 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 it's interesting thinking like the Raquel, you know, yeah, she, she calls the uh, Raquel a whore. Uh, Raquel in that episode has two separate guys that she's in trouble for making out with, and she's apparently sleeping with Tom. Um, like it's. Uh, and then she's like, I don't want to be a mistress, you know, like that big crying thing where I'm, I'm being a mistress and she's sleeping. And she's a mistress. Like she's straight up a mistress, you know, according to yeah. whatever online. But that was like the big thing where she was like, she's not a mistress. Like, or it was, it was an accident, you know, like she was not on purpose, mm-hmm. but, but she's, she is. on. Yeah. Purpose, it was kind of mistress. interesting to s- 
right? It was it was kind of interesting to see how like Raquel had to confront this idea of being positioned as a mistress socially and like online on the show prior to any of the scandal revelations happening, like to see her navigate through this on screen with Oliver is like, it is particularly eerie. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that again, it's something that makes me like endears me to Raquel a bit more um, someone who does not typically get at least on the like social media sphere, a lot of grace, but I thought that the, sh- the way she was navigating the situation with, with Oliver was pretty good. Like, I think that she yeah. handled that pretty well. And I mean, obviously she didn't learn enough from that in order to, you know, take a step back from Tom Sandoval and, you know, give Ariana the heads up or handle that very gracefully. But I think seeing her handle that with like humanity was um, particularly endearing. And yeah, Dylan, like you said, this uh, reality TV, there's, Yes, there's heroes and villains, but it's not black and white. There's always like a human underneath that um, has their own um, has their own motivations and emotions that are driving their actions. So uh, it was an interesting both parallel and contrast to the scandal revelations that I thought stood out to me uh, as being particularly interesting. Yeah, she she yeah. came off and really Raquel. well with the Oliver thing. Like it was like you go, girl. Like you you tell him, and she talked to his wife and stuff. And it really was like I don't know. You were re- I was really rooting for her. Uh, at, you know, at that point, like she did the right thing. Yeah, and I think you've got like um, one thing that's kind of interesting about this scenario, and it it's not playing out over a particularly long period of time, but to see both Sheena and Lala taking kind of contrasting positions on this. And those are two of the, uh, the main people that have gone through an experience of being the other woman and having to deal with that very publicly and to see, you know, Sheena kind of advise how to navigate this carefully and, you know, caution Raquel that, you know, it's not a label that you're going to be able to shake. So just be prepared to kind of deal with it and taking on a, like kind of a, a mentor's role. Whereas Lala has taken the opposite position and really, um, you know, used it as a point of conflict with Raquel. And then by the end of this episode, kind of the conclusion of this Raquel mistress arc part one the, the mistress father part one, um, <laughs> we see kind of a reconciliation where um, Lala says, um, you know, you're not a mistress. I know you're not a mistress. Don't let anyone tell you you're a mistress. And that's kind of like the finale. And that's how they kind of tie up part one in, in a bow. I thought, I thought it was really interesting to, you know, kind of see, both of those sides of this and um, you know, how it affected Raquel. And you know what else? It's interesting. Good Lala finally showed up. 
You know, yeah. I keep talking about the duality of Lala. She had a terrible <laughs> last episode where she just said like awful, indefensible things and was terrible for most of this episode too, because she was just banging that drum and was so happy to have this new information that she could use to cut Raquel apart with. And then at the end, you have Raquel going in to talk to Lala on her birthday when she's surrounded by her friends. I, I was watching this uh, with my roommate, and, and it was like a scene in a horror movie. We're both like, don't go in there. Don't yeah. go in there. <laughs> and then, like, surprise, uh, Lala, who's had this, like, opportunity served up to her, actually gets gets around to, like, doing the whole, like, you know, women look after each other, solidarity, you know. You, and it helps that Raquel had the right approach. Um, yeah. Credit to her of being like, I didn't fully understand what you were trying to teach me until now, kind of. Of course, uh, Lala's going to enjoy that approach, and that, you know, evokes that her her fellow feelings, and that she actually... uh, actually show some some guidance and comfort uh which was uh which was a a, a shocking twist that i really enjoyed yeah absolutely um so uh dylan did you have any other highlights here um i've got a whole other page of notes but it's all just sentences that begin with satchel looks like so i don't know how much time We don't have a Twitter account, but we should start one just so that we can schedule all those to go out. <laughs> I mean, he looks like he knows a lot about spiders. I, I think you, 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 he looks like he lives on peanut butter and Oreos. Um, <laughs> he looks like he has a pet lizard. Um, <laughs> he looks like he has that poster of the naked chicks with like different Pink Floyd album covers on their backs. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he listens to Greta Von Fleet. He, he, he looks like he's in Greta Von Fleet. Uh, he, he looks like he walks on top of the concrete barriers at the edges of parking lots and makes a little sound effect when he jumps off. Um, you know, that's, that's, I, I'm going to stop. This isn't, this isn't in, the, in the spirit of Rosé. Uh, that's most, mostly the rest of, of my notes. Um, yeah, that and also that I really like that Tom Schwartz uses the uh, I was living the Vita Loca defense. Uh, that's, oh. that's a good one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, those are the highlights. I've used that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, one thing that was interesting to me that we uh, I guess we saw this earlier in the season, but it didn't really like kind of click with me. But the fact that uh, Tom Schwartz and Katie are still trying to make this like um co-parenting arrangement of their dogs work like i don't know that's a lot of dogs yeah yeah but that seems like a classic like early mid-20s mistake to be like okay we're gonna break up but we're gonna like share custody of the dogs and just like it continuing to be this like huge red flag of like someone that cannot move on um I don't know. That's that's one thing that stood out to me as being particularly interesting. Here. Yeah, even Raquel took full custody of the dog, didn't she? With her yeah, James. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but Tom was it, like. Uh, it speaks to uh, Tom was offended that she didn't hang out when she picked up the dog too. Like you know, one person is is in the dog thing. Just yeah, for, for the, sure. Like, and connection. I think that... yeah, not not the dog hanging out, it, but the person hanging out. And it's exactly like exactly why it's a a red flag for, you know, a potential partner if they're sharing custody of a a pet with their ex. Like, 
there's definitely someone that is like using this to stay connected to the other person. Like, yeah, I like you love the pet and that might be what's at the, the core of this, but um, I don't think it's possible to really have a true clean break when you are doing this just over, uh, you know, a dog. There's two yeah, dogs. What the dogs feeling too? Too though. Is it two dogs? <laughs> yeah, two dogs. Yeah, yeah. I, I I wonder like do the, do these people? Some of them have like servants who like take after their dogs or like I mean, like how rich are these people? Like, do they have dog servants? I feel like the cast of of Vanderbilt <laughs> dog servants. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like the cast of Vanderbilt rules are like they're doing well, but I don't know how you know, particularly responsible with their money they are. Um, so yeah, they might have dog servants because that <laughs> seems like an irresponsible use of, of funds. And that wouldn't like, it wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them. Um, we don't really see that on screen. And, you know, I wonder how much of that is the fact that Lisa Vanderpump has a, an image of being like an animal lover, responsible animal lover that she likes to put out there where, you know, she wants to make sure that on shows that where she's an executive producer, that her cast are going to, you know, look at least responsible and caring towards animals, um, not using them as tools to stay connected to your ex with whom you've got a very toxic relationship. Um, but yeah, I uh, I'm sure they do have dog servants. I mean, I was going to say the only cast member who's definitely in the strata to have dog servants would be Lisa Vanderpump. But I I think Ken is unionized, so I don't think she would actually <laughs> be able to outsource that job. Um, who's got a cat? Is it Sheena? Does she have a cat? I can't remember. There was a cat, cat shown a bunch. Uh, uh, the yeah, I, I can't remember the names, but the, the the really buff guy, and they had they had a cool looking right. dog, Brock, the Australian. Brock. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, makes me love Sheena even more. Like yeah. I I love that Sheena is a cat person. Yeah. Yeah. Nice to have some variety in there. Otherwise, it's all just dogs and ponies. It's good. It's good B roll like classic <laughs> dog and pony show. Cutting. You know, they're just like, all right, we we got to cut this sentence. Cat sleeping dog back to the people yeah, yeah. like it's just... no, it, it is a great idea because because like you said everybody likes to see a dog and then it gives you b-roll that you can stitch the scene together i mean it won't help with continuity if an entire sandwich has been assembled in between <laughs> beats but it, it gives you something to work with yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh so there's two other points that i want to get around to before we close out our discussion here um the first is um, I was I was personally shocked to find out that Allie was kind of the first to raise mm-hmm. flags about Raquel and Tom. Who would I have seen that coming from ex- her? Yeah. <laughs> I was Ooh. not expecting her to be like, you know, the uh, the um, the Perry Mason of Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, that was surprising. Um, it was it was interesting that, you know, as soon as she delivered this information to the girls that Katie was very quick to kind of 
use it. Like I felt that, I don't know, it seemed like she used it very emotionally and not strategically, mm-hmm. um, which I guess you can kind of expect from Katie as a person and as a character, but as like a 10 year reality TV veteran, um, it was a bit surprising that she would just, you know, kind of off the cuff, you know, tip her hand. And now right. Tom Sandoval is going to be on alert that, oh, this is already like floating around as a storyline. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That might've been a little premature on her part. Emotionally driven. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the other thing that I wanted to talk about was, um, Tom Schwartz's former roommate, Joe, uh, uh, Kristen Doughty's crazy friend finally makes an on-screen appearance in a like old timey vignette flashback, um, (laughs) where we see just a very brief interaction between the two. Um, and we get a bit more context on, um, Katie's animosity towards her stemming from the last text message that she sent to Katie, uh, before moving in with Schwartz and also the first message after the divorce where she's like, I will always love and respect you. And then immediately goes and moves in with her ex husband or soon to be ex husband. Yeah. That's interesting. I would, I would, I would like, I feel like we won't, but I would like to see a little bit more of that. Cause I feel like didn't, wasn't there a bit of like a hot mic moment where they had Schwartz saying, I love you to her. Yeah. That yeah. was the interaction that we got. And it's, didn't seem like a it didn't seem like they were in a relationship to be no to be no. honest it seemed like kind of like a friendly thing. but it, it indicates a level of intimacy that you could understand why that would make katie very uncomfortable yeah even if sure. they're not sleeping together like you could see why that she would be very what? upset that somebody that they have like a very intimate relationship with like immediately became roommates i, I wonder why yeah she's a roommate like does she was she needing a place to stay like there was nowhere else to stay that she had to stay with her recently getting divorced friend like she doesn't know anyone else like i don't know it just seems that seems a little weird uh i feel like yeah it would be one thing if it was like tom's like okay well i'm splitting up with katie i need a place to crash can i crash with you Mm -hmm. but this is an, an apartment that like schwartz is just moving into and then I guess Joe is also moving into. Um, I hesitate to like speculate on Joe too much up until now, just because she hasn't really appeared on camera and has only, you know, been alluded to. But now that we've actually got an albeit brief moment of her, I feel like she's kind of fair game a little bit to speculate about. So, um, but yeah, it does seem really strange and like a impulsive thing that they would move in together or at least very like um, um, thoughtless. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting to me to see where that how that relationship evolves and um, knowing that Kristen Doughty is a friend of hers and we get to see Kristen later this season. Um, I'm curious if there'll be any sort of resolution to that storyline. I doubt it, but I'm still eager to see if that happens. 
I would love to see Kristen show up and just completely explain their history, Joe and Tom Schwartz's history. Yeah, I want to get one of those like like maps with photos and like with yarn connecting them. Right. Uh, I want to get that sort of explanation <laughs> from Kristen Doty. She just would do it. Really, too. Like, she would absolutely do it. Yeah, and like Kristen Doty has this like this great like on screen. Um, way about her uh where she's like kind of like frantic and like pacey and like uh like always like darting full time and like i feel like if there's anyone that's gonna get that kind of grizzle detective um uh persona that, that we've had come up on this podcast a lot of of our guests have projected that on various reality characters um, I think that Kristen Doty is the most well suited for that. Cast Kristen Doty as Columbo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, did you, either of you have any final thoughts on either Vanderpump Rules or Real Housewives of New Jersey? Uh, yeah, that's about the highlights. Um, unless you want to know more things that Satchel looks like, but I think we got it done. Yeah, close us up with a few more. Um, oh. What what did it even say? I mean, Satchel uh, looks like he owns a hacky sack. I don't know if I said that. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> um, Satchel looks like he's referred to Christopher Nolan as the Kubrick of our time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> awesome. Well, hope, thank you so much. We yeah <laughs> thank you so much john for doing this uh it was so good to have you on do you want to let everyone know where they can find you um yeah i prefer not to give up my home address but i uh you know i appreciate you guys having me on the show <laughs> uh it was very nice uh you know uh kind of get into the the ecosystem and, and see what the housewives are like um uh, you could follow me on instagram at uh Johnny Wislon, J-O-H-N-N-Y-W-I-Z-L-O-N. And, uh, you know, um, check out whatever comedy stuff I'm doing. Um, in, you know, if you feel like, I don't give, I don't care. Um, but, uh, but if I see you, (laughs) (laughs) if I see you, you know, I'll give you a big (laughs) smile and a wave and so forth. Uh, tell me you heard, tell you, tell me you heard me on Bravo Insider. Or outsider. I'm, I'm now an insider now. I consider myself an insider. Yeah. You, you, you've earned your beard. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. That was fun. Uh, Dylan, how about you? Um, you can uh, find me writing about movies on Substack. I should have a new thing about the Creed movies coming up soon. Uh, I'll stick this opportunity to a mention because I know uh, Craig's too humble to do it. That if you do want to uh, financially contribute to Bravo Outsider, uh, I'll proceeds from this episode are going to be going to a charitable organization that helps communities and families uh, dealing with the loss of a a, a small pony. Um, And (laughs) if, and if you or a a person you love is, is currently dealing with the the loss of a, of a miniature show horse, uh, there are organizations out there that help. You're not alone. There are people you could reach out to. Yeah. Don't forget to reach out. We'll we'll put a link in, in the show notes for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this has been the Bravo Outsider for this week. Uh, you can find us online at bravooutsider.com where, wherever you find podcasts. 
give us a, a, a subscribe and, and a rating. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube at Bravo Outsider. Until next week, keep on wifing. Rest in power, Rose. <laughs> 